0: Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love he demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. The best Christmas light of all is here. He is the light of the world that came for us all.
1: Darkness. Nothing is as God intended things to be. Uh, nothing is as it was supposed to be. When in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and there was light and there was flourishing and all that. Nothing um, is as it is supposed to be. So darkness has pervaded. The world it has pervaded the world ever since that time and here's the thing um one of our great challenges as we think about our living and we think about uh, this Christmas moment and this season of our life is that when we live in the darkness we become accustomed to the darkness somehow we get comfortable in the midst of the darkness um our minds trick us, they, they help us, uh, it helps us to get to this place where uh, in our comfortability in the darkness, we figure out how to function there. No matter what it is that you're dealing with or how it is that you're dealing with it in the darkness, we become desensitized to the reality that there is actually a light and that darkness is just an absence of light. And if we wonder if there's actually darkness in the world— Think about this, are you aware that there are a billion people who lack access to clean water? Every seven seconds, a child dies of hunger. A billion people around the world, I said a billion people around the world live on less than a dollar a day. A hundred million children are denied basic education. 40% of people in our world lack basic sanitation, in this one. <laughs> As Americans, uh, we spend annually more on trash bags than nearly, half a dozen, than nearly half of the world does on everything they purchase. There's darkness in the world. It's pervasive. And, and friends, this is the reality of the living by the way of the empire. It was, it was true uh, back then. It's true today. And, and I want you to hear the good news. Um, we were not born, we were not created to live in the dark. Uh, We were not created for darkness, friends. We were created for light. And it's this dark place, it's these dark places in our minds, in our hearts, and in the world that Jesus came to shine light into, to shine light into the darkest of places, Jesus Christ, friends. Is the light of the world. And uh, the light is more powerful than every sun. It's more powerful than every star. And it's that light that is so radiant that we are here to worship. I'm convinced that you were drawn here to see and to experience this light. God draws you here and has drawn you here. I mean, people traveled hundreds, if not thousands, of miles to see the light back then, and you have been drawn here today. I'm convinced, Merry Christmas, Um, you've been drawn to the light. It's he himself, Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You'll never walk in darkness. Isn't that an amazing promise? Whoever follows me will experience hope in the darkness. This is how I read this. Whoever follows me will experience peace in the middle of whatever it is that you're struggling with. Christmas isn't a, a beautiful time for everybody. Sometimes it's dark. Um, you will experience joy in a newborn king. A- and you will experience love in explicable ways when you look to the light. And that sounds pretty amazing, yeah? Are we looking to the light? I mean, Jesus said these words as an adult, so it feels like I'm running out ahead of myself a little bit. And I didn't say to you, uh, Merry Christmas, and my name is Chris Godfordson, and it's my pleasure to serve Center Point Church as the campus pastor here in Sioux Center. Uh, Jesus says these things, and it's Jesus who we are drawn to worship. We're here, friends, we're here to celebrate and anticipate Jesus' arrival, his his birth, and his coming into the world. And it's this Jesus who came and shined light in the darkness. If you've been with us throughout this Advent season, you have um, seen and understood that we've been looking at a series called Christmas Lights. And every morning, every Sunday morning, we have engaged and looked at the story from a a different perspective. And the invitation has been that we would keep our eyes on the light so that we would be able to perceive the world in which we function, the world in which we inhabit. We want you to be able to see clearly who Jesus is and the things that Jesus is calling you to. Because the world is a dark place, we desperately need light. And because the world is a dark place, we desperately need spiritual light. And spiritual light emanates from those. It emanates from you who are in Christ. Uh, There's this indwelling that, that pours out of you because the Holy Spirit is alive and well. In you. Let your light shine, friends, and and trust the fact that because Jesus is the light of the world and the Spirit is in you, you will never walk in darkness. This morning, we're going to pick up the story, and I want to give you a little context. Uh, This is about a little over a month from when Jesus was born. On the eighth day, like every other Jewish baby boy, he was taken and he was circumcised. And then 33 days later, he was taken uh, to the temple for the purification rites and to be presented to um, God as their firstborn son. So we're looking in, in the gospel of Luke today, Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin reading it verse 25. So if you have a Bible or a preferred electronic device in which you read scripture, I want to invite you to open to Luke chapter 2. And as you do that, as we get there, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, would your word be our rule, your spirit, our teacher, in the glory of Jesus, our single concern. Amen. So friends, I invite you to hear these words From the book that we love. They'll be on the screen for you as well. Luke 2, beginning at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying Thanks be to God. Throughout Scripture, God has used uh, people in some rather miraculous ways. Uh, God has used people of all ages. He's used some rather old people. I mean, we looked a little bit at at Abraham and Sarah just a couple of weeks ago. We studied uh, Zechariah and um, Elizabeth, and, and then we saw how the, the Lord used the angel Gabriel to reveal to them that I'll do whatever I want to do, and I'll use whoever I want to use to make me known in the world. is a powerful story, the way Zechariah and Elizabeth encountered this person. This person Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, who then helped them see that God will do these powerful things. And, and then in our text this morning, we see Simeon and Anna— Simeon and Anna were promised by God that they would not die until they saw the salvation of the Lord, until they had actually seen Jesus. I'm struck by the way that Simeon and Anna focused their entire lives, they were intently looking for the Lord. They had received this promise and they had devoted themselves to looking and finding and seeing Jesus. Now, Simeon and Anna, like us, grew up in a dark and ugly place. The world was dark at this time. I mean, uh, the Roman Empire, a few years, probably 60 to 63 years before um, Jesus was born, had conquered the territory. And they, had, um, they were ruling it with power and authority. But Simeon and Anna, in the midst of the darkness, were intently looking for Jesus. And I want you to, to, to hear what Elizabeth Dreyer in, in her book, Earth Crammed with Heaven, has to say about this. I mean, Simeon and Anna lived in this way. I wonder if we might, too. In, in a profound way, our intentionality is a key ingredient determining whether we notice God everywhere, or only in church, or only in suffering, or nowhere. It all depends on how we choose to fashion our world. In a profound way, our intentionality is a key ingredient in determining whether we notice God everywhere, or only in church, or only in suffering, or nowhere. Now, Simeon and Anna saw the baby Jesus with his parents. And they didn't need a whole lot of anything else. They saw him, and they saw the light. And in that moment, they were able to profess loudly and boldly, uh, he is him. He's the one. Now, Simeon and Anna lived in a time where Augustus was the Caesar. Um, This person, this particular Caesar, had his name changed when he was given the office to Augustus. And uh, the reason that they changed his name to Augustus was they figured, uh, the Roman leaders figured that if they would simply change his name, then he would be worthy of veneration and worthy of worship. This is what the name actually meant. So uh, the empire, they did everything they could to help people understand that uh, peace, justice, salvation and hope are found in in the person of the caesar in the person of augustus Uh, and so as augustus talked about these things the people were supposed to bow down and worship him and it's in this dark dark place that jesus comes into the world Uh, as I studied Augustus, and I, and I looked at this text, there, there's this interesting nugget, and maybe you won't find it interesting. I kind of liked it. And, and what they talked about uh, was every time that the deeds of Augustus were mentioned, the word they used to describe it was euangelion. Everybody say euangelion with me. Euangelion. Do you know what that means? It means good news or, or gospel. Augustus... <laughs> for the empire, was good news. And, and that's not actually so. Uh, good news came and was born into the midst of the, the darkest of places. Jesus Christ came into the world and it's here, smack dab, in the middle of this really dark place that Jesus comes into the world. He stood there in the darkness. Um, and it was here that Jesus, the light of the world, first shone. Now, Jesus isn't merely a light. He's not a light among lights. He's the light of the world. He, it just shines from him. He shines in the darkness, and Jesus actually offers freedom and justice and salvation to the world. It's not Augustus. It's not the empire. It's not the things that they worship, and it's not the things that we worship, but it's Jesus Christ. He is the one. He was and is the one. Now, Simeon has no known title, We don't know a whole lot about Simeon. We don't read about him anywhere else in all of Scripture. We just read about him here. And and all we can really know is what Luke tells us. And Luke tells us that he was devout and he was righteous. And and, and what this says to us is, is that he was devoted to the Lord. He was intentional about his worship of the Lord. He was an inwardly sound human being. He spent his life looking for and worshiping the Lord. This Christmas, I wonder, what are you looking for? Are you looking for Jesus? Jesus is is the light, and in the darkness, it's Jesus that we can see. St. Ignatius of of Loyola um, was a person um, who loved and studied the Lord. The text tells us about the consolation of Israel, that Simeon was waiting for that, right? The the consolation of Israel was was the hope that uh, Jesus would be the one, the Messiah was the one who would redeem and restore all Israel. And and what what happens for St. Ignatius, he says... That consolation is the interior movement of the heart that gives a deep sense of life-giving connection with God, others, and my most authentic self in God. Simeon had devoted his entire life to living for the Lord and he was waiting for this consolation. But what this consolation actually is, is this inner interior movement of the heart that gives a deep sense of life-giving connection. And, and Simeon had this connection because the text tells us that the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was on him and he walked with God. Simeon enjoyed sweet communion With the Lord, and in his deep longing for the Messiah, he knew exactly what it was that he was looking for. The text doesn't tell us exactly how this happened, but when the Spirit moved Simeon to go to the temple, when he saw Mary and uh, Joseph there holding the baby, he made a beeline. For them, the Spirit uh, dro- drove Simeon to the temple and he went running after Jesus. Look at this uh, the way that Eugene Peterson translates this passage, um, verse 30 to 32. With my own eyes, the text tells us, I've seen your salvation. It- it's now out in the open for everyone to see a God revealing light to the non Jewish nations and of glory. For your people Israel, I've seen your salvation with my own eyes. R.C. Sproul talks about the way in which this occurred and and he puts it into words that I think help us understand (laughs) what what happened here. It's as if Simeon would say to us, I have seen him. I have looked into the face of my Messiah I don't have to wait to watch Him. I don't have to wait to watch Him grow and be nurtured in the admonition of the Lord. I don't need to watch Him in His public ministry, listen to His teaching, or watch the miracles that He will perform. I don't need to see the transfiguration. I do not have to be an eyewitness of the atoning death on the cross or of His resurrection from the dead. I have seen all I have ever needed to see. And in this face, I see the light of salvation that God has promised to his people, which is the consolation that we have been waiting for. Now, now now that I've seen all these things, Sproul's writing, now it's enough. Let me die. I'm tired. I've endured so much. I have seen the salvation that you have promised. Now just let me go home. He didn't have to see all of the miracles that were performed. He's not Thomas. He didn't have to see them. Uh, He didn't have to hear all of the preaching that he would do. He just saw him because he knew what he was looking for. Do you know, friends, what you're looking for? Are you so in Closely connected to the Lord, or you, it's so inwardly sound that, that you understand that it is Jesus that you're looking for. And right there, smack dab, in the middle of this Jewish temple full of Jews, Simeon declared uh, that Jesus was the promised Messiah, born the light of the world for the, both the Jews and the Gentiles, which would have been rather controversial in a moment. But he had seen him, and so he couldn't not talk about it. Anna was equally inwardly sound, and and she was intentional in seeing the light in the darkness too. Anna had been married for seven years, and then she was widowed for another 84 years, and if Anna was a day old, she was 105. And God used this really old lady uh, to do amazing things. I mean, she fasted and prayed day and night in the temple. In fact, she took up residence there. I mean, she never left. She was so devoted to to the Lord, and she was looking to see him all the time. In everything she did, that was true. The text tells us that uh, the Spirit was on Simeon, that the Holy Spirit was with him, but he had no known title. Anna, on the other hand, uh, was a prophetess. It doesn't tell us that the spirit was on her, but as one who speaks for the Lord, as one who um, does uh, the ministry of the Lord, there certainly is a deep connection. We can be certain of the fact that what she had to say carried weight. So just like it happened for Simeon, Anna has an encounter. She sees Mary and Joseph with the baby too. Look at verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks. She just declared, he's the one. This baby, he is him. He's the one, the long-awaited Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. Light must have been just oozing and bursting forth from this baby. And Anna spoke about this to anybody who would listen. The temple is a loud place. It's a little bit like going into Walmart and shouting something and nobody hears you. But here in this moment, Anna was willing to just say and and speak the truth about her encounter with the Lord. And so I wonder, as Anna has done this, what do you see? And who and how are you willing to talk about it? Where is it that you are willing to speak out what is true? Throughout the course of this series, you've been encouraged to to be a light, to to reflect the light that is in you, and point to the light. You've also been invited to allow the light to find you, and then to allow the light to emanate from you. And you've been invited in your ordinary day-after-day tasks to step into the light step into the light. I wonder what you have seen as you've been looking at these Christmas lights with us throughout this Advent season. Have you noticed that no one is too old to be used by God to proclaim that Jesus is the light of the world? Simeon and Anna are right here before us as Exhibit A. We've talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Nobody is too old to make Christ known. Nobody. And nobody is too young at the same time. None, no one is too young to make Christ known. By your very way of being, by the way you show up in the world, by how you engage, nobody is too young. I mean, John was given this spirit before he was even born. The Lord did amazing things with John. He was a light who pointed to the light, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. No one is too rich or too learned. If you'll recall, the, the Magi traveled from the east and they followed a star. And when they had followed the star, when they arrived at that place, they were transformed by the star. All of their head knowledge, all of their wealth, all of their having been well-read, didn't matter. (laughs) They were transformed when they saw him. And nobody is too poor either. I don't care if you're the richest person in town or if you're the most modest means person. The reality is that the Lord used a bunch of shepherds who were of the lowest of the low in terms of socioeconomic standing in the culture, and the Lord used them. So here's the deal, y'all. In each and every case, the people who we have studied and we have looked at in this story um, were inwardly sound enough— that they were aware that and, and knew that when they saw the light, that it changed them. They were looking, and it changed them. This Christmas. What are we looking for? What are you looking for? Now, if your home is like mine, um, it's been a little bit chaotic preparing for people to show up. If And if your family is anything like ours, I mean, there is going to be chaos in your gatherings. Is, does anybody have chaos when they get together for Christmas? Thank you. I appreciate the hand. And in the midst of it all, here's—I mean, this is what I, I deeply desire that— uh, that, that, that we don't let the chaos get the best of us, but that we would be paying attention and that we would be looking for Jesus in the midst of our gatherings. That the chaos wouldn't have to rule the day. Because we do this often as a way of, um, in, our, in our darkness, we, we, we miss the light. Ruth Haley Barton says this. Many of us are choosing to live lives that do not set us up to pay attention. To notice those places where God is at work and to ask ourselves what these things mean. We need moments in our life when we let the chaos settle a bit and invite God to show us evidence of his presence at work in big ways and subtle ways and allow him to guide us in our understanding of what these things mean. In, in the midst of the chaos, uh, I wonder if you can stop and, and find a moment or take the moment and look for Jesus in the midst of the chaos. Look for him. Don't keep running around doing the thing, but instead, um, don't let the darkness win. Look for Jesus because there's darkness all around. But Jesus, who is the light of the world, wants to be found by you. And the promise that Jesus made to us all the way back at the beginning of the, when I started talking this morning uh, from John chapter 8 is this, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness if, if you have professed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And, and that Spirit then um, exudes from you, and you're able to be a light in all of the places that you find yourself. As my buddy Pastor Sai would say, um, if, you're not de- if you aren't dead, then God's not done with you. God has things for you to do. How will you be a light this Christmas, because this is your invitation. I mean, this isn't, this isn't hard. It's not particularly challenging, except it is. We exist to make Christ known. We say that all the time. And I wonder if you would help uh, us, and if you might make Christ known in all of the places that you find yourself celebrating Christmas over the course of these next several days. Some of us might be delayed in doing that. So even a month out, how might you make Christ known? Some of us don't even know if we have the light. I had this conversation a few days ago uh, with one of us, uh, and, and they were like, I didn't even know that the light was in me. And, and But people are drawn to this person, um, uh, and, and the people are drawn to you. Some of you are teachers, some of you uh, are healthcare workers, some of you work in finance, others of you, uh, you all have something, and somebody is drawn to you. And what I want you to know, <laughs> what I deeply want you to know, is that's the light of Christ in you. Would you just joyfully let the light shine this Christmas? And then here's really the challenge. Would you tell somebody that you see the light in them? I mean, if we think about making Christ known, and if you are exuding the light, um, there's something empowering uh, when somebody tells you, like, I see you doing something really kind right now. And um, would you have enough courage to tell the people you love that you see Jesus in them? Wouldn't that be something? Can we do that? Maybe. Can we do that? I mean, do you, what are you looking for this Christmas? That's what I want you to think about. What is it that you're looking for? And make Christ known. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for um, stories like Simeon and Anna, people who were looking intently for you. You worked in their lives in such a way that that, um, they kept on looking for you In, in the darkest of the darks. You revealed yourself to them. And so my prayer is that in the darkness that we inhabit, in this place in the world that we live, in in times that are dark, in moments when in our spirit it might feel dark, I pray that we would look for you, Jesus, the light of the world. Because you promise us that you are the light of the world, and then you promise that whoever follows you We'll never walk in darkness. It's Christmas and we want to see you, Jesus, the light of the world. Reveal yourself to us as we look for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.